You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangval, Jason Hand, Sarah Jane Morris, and PJ Haggerty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 44 uh, of the Community Pulse. We're super excited. This is our first episode for January of 2020. Super excited to get things started this year. Uh, we're going to start by talking about kind of the common threads of what makes people get into the whole DevRel career path. Like, are there common characteristics? Is there something, is there a mold that needs to be followed? Are DevRel people that you could just kind of stamp out on a, on a, on a, a production line and get exactly what you need? Um, so we're going to talk with a couple of couple guests. We're really super excited. A uh, couple of hosts today, obviously me, PJ, I'm here. SJ is here as well. SJ, say hi. Hi, I'm SJ. You, I'm sure you all remember SJ from the awesome Christmas episode wrap-up thing that we did last month. Um, now she's officially part of the show. I'm going to ask the hard-hitting questions that these these deep-dive podcasts really like to yeah. get into. Brace yourselves, folks. I'm making us into an awesome news show. <laughs> Welcome to the Community Pulse. <laughs> Uh, today we have with us Giryan Wilenga and Amanda Folson. I'm going to let the two of you introduce yourselves. Uh, fight it out. See who goes first. Okay. <laughs> um, so my name is uh, Giryan. Uh, I'm, I'm in Amsterdam. I've been involved in the tech industry since the 90s. Um, most recently, been, I've worked in uh, Sun Microsystems and currently in Oracle. Uh, I've been a developer advocate, especially for NetBeans, um, the free open source development environment, which is now an Apache project, and also for Oracle's uh, free open source JavaScript strategy, which is called Oracle Jet. And I've written some books over the years, and one of them is the one that um, I'm here to talk about um, called Developer Advocate. Awesome. Amanda? All right. Uh, my name is Amanda Folson. I'm a developer relations manager at Vonage, previously Nexmo. Um, if you know Phil Legater, he's been leading the charge over there. So I work for him. He's fantastic. Uh, and I've been doing DevRel for actually my 10-year anniversary of doing something DevRel-like was January 4th. So been hey, doing this a while. Um, and kind of had like a weird path. I was like a tech writer slash tech editor for a while. And I think a few people kind of get their start that way. Um, and then it wasn't always called like developer relations or developer evangelism or anything like that. But the work that I was doing was very much aligned with making sure developers have things that they need in order to do other things. And if you want to find them both on Twitter, we'll have that in the show notes. So don't worry about that. Um, I think the, the first question we have is kind of the, also the biggest question we have and probably going to lead to a lot of conversation. So I'm just going to kick it out there. Is DevRel something anyone can just pick up and do? Anyone could just come in and say, I'm a DevRel now. I do DevRel. I'm doing the DevRel thing. Um, I think yes and no. Uh, I think realistically, anybody can learn the skills that you need, but not everybody necessarily, they're not necessarily ingrained in people. So there's a lot of um, engineering skill, which you might have to build up, but also the people skills, which I think are very underrated in some parts of this industry. Um, being able to talk to people and especially when they're mad, like being able to talk to somebody who's really angry because your product sucks or whatever, or they think it sucks, rather it may not necessarily suck. Um, that's a skill in and of itself that I think is not necessarily undervalued, but underrated um, by people who are trying to get into this particular line of work. I would say that a lot of people who end up doing this are the kind of people who don't fit into any specific category. You are on the one hand technical, but not maybe not super, super technical, or who don't want to spend their lives being purely technical. 
or who are at the same time very uh, people focused and and uh, engaging and needing interaction with other you know with other people and that combination of of, of things and people at the same time technology and um, human interaction if 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 you can't settle if you can't I mean, in, so I've, I've put together this book consisting of about uh, 30 different interviews with people who are developer advocates in one way or another, and they are all so diverse. That I think the commonality is the diversity of the people who are in this role, um, and that's what makes it so interesting. People are very, I think a common, two common shared um, traits. One is enthusiasm, and the other is this desire to share. But, you know, people people who who are enthusiastic about what they do and you want to talk about it, you want to share knowledge. I think if, if you have those two common threads, then you're perfect for this field and you probably already are a developer advocate in one way or another. Um, Amanda alluded to, um, in her sort of background, being a technical writer before DevRel was a thing, I guess, or a thing that we all understand. And we were talking about this right before we kicked off the recording and before you joined us, Amanda, but um, indeed technical writer seems to be a common shared um, professional category that's recognized by the rest of the outside world that's as close to, to DevRel as, uh, you know, as things are evolving. I think one of the questions I have is, um, indeed, we understand that there's this shared characteristic of enthusiasm and, you know, um, passion for technology and things like that. But are there shared paths that folks um, have in common? I, we've already identified technical writer. Um, I think before someone's a DevRel, typically they have a kind of a patchwork of, of identities and roles that they've taken on before they, they jump in. Um, are there others that folks have, have noticed in, in, in themselves or in colleagues that they work with? Yeah, I, I know that, that for me, uh, like looking at DevRel, like what it is today, it seems that there, there is no... Sure thing. Like when I started, if you were in DevRel or you were an evangelist or whatever they were calling it that week, um, you had been a developer first. Mm. Like there wasn't, or or maybe you were a database engineer or an ops engineer, but you were some sort of engineer first. And someone at some point said, hey, you seem like a people person. Yeah. Um, or you're really good at writing docs. Start doing that or start doing the blogs for us or start go to a conference and shoot your mouth off like a, like a doofus. Um, oh, are, you, are, you, are you some kind of engineer and, and your manager says, we need someone to do a presentation to our customer, mm -hmm. you know, and then you went out and did that and you've discovered that you like doing that. And then you get asked to do that over and over again. And you still have that same function title that you originally had, but you're increasingly in that role. And then, you know, 20 years later, you turn out to be a developer advocate, <laughs> basically. <laughs> the next thing you know. The next thing you know. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, there I was minding my own business and boom. Yes. <laughs> I run into a lot of people who they were, they have strong engineering backgrounds and they go to a conference or a meetup or something and they come across somebody who's doing this kind of work. Um, and that was sort of how I got into it a little bit. I was going to conferences and doing the logistics and all that stuff and shipping swag all over the world and all that stuff. And then went to some conferences and I was like, wait, there are people who get paid to do just this part. And I like just this part of my job. So <laughs> how do I do just this part? Um, and yeah, so a lot of people with really heavy engineering backgrounds who go to an event and get excited about the prospect of doing developer relations, getting on stage, doing the events, um, traveling all over the world. 
I don't always know that they realize there's more to it than that. Uh, and I do run into that a lot as well. Uh, people are like, oh, I just want to go and travel the world. And it's like, no, no, no. Like there's, there's a huge portion of this that is not just traveling the world. That's the, that's the 10%. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the most visible part of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I run into a lot of people with kind of that engineering background who sort of fell into this because they saw somebody else doing it as well. Yeah, I I do kind of want to call out the folks like myself and like Mary, one of our hosts who can't make it today, who have um, non-technical backgrounds, but have been drawn to this world because of our affinity for technical folks. Um, And so I kind of come from a more uh, community and marketing background. And then by sheer coincidence and luck, I kind of fell into an API community manager role or a developer community manager role back in like 2011. Um, and just because I enjoyed working with these folks so much, I, you know, sharpened up my technical chops enough to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk, but I'm still not a developer. Um, and so I, I do think there's an opportunity for folks outside of the direct engineering realm to, to, to work and provide a perspective that's perhaps a little, um, you know, translation from deeply technical to, um, I don't know, a human, a developer to non-developer API in a human form. <laughs> um, and particularly helpful for products like companies that I've worked for, like we're about HubSpot now, which has a customer, um, a customer end user, I guess. And I was at Shopify before. So um, I don't know. I just think there's a, I want to call out that there's a place for folks who aren't deeply technical to um, make an impact in this world. Well, I think the key here too is the fact that um, on the one side, you have you know the, the the engineers and the people who are who are deeply technical, for lack of a better term, and on the other side, you have all these companies who are suddenly, very suddenly, realizing in the past few years that they are tech companies, whether they thought they were or not. And yeah. that that there's a gambit there. There's banks and hospitals and and all these people, and those are the people that most need someone who can say, okay, so I have technical information, but I can translate it into a way that's digestible for anyone. And I mean, we talk about, you know, it's funny because we, we talk about archetypes and, and what that means. And a lot of times we talk personalities and personas and, and the salespeople love, who are we selling to? Who's the person? Who's the user? Um, and in, when we talk about things like that, especially archetypes, when we talk about engineers, they're not people, they're not people, 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 people. That's yes. Um, <laughs> they're not people. They don't like to socialize. They want to just focus on the code and nothing else. Um, Whereas people in DevRel are highly technical or have technical affinities, if that works better, uh, and yet they're 100% social. Um, they love being out there. They love, you know, they love having conference T-shirts from everywhere around the world. They love, you know, when someone says, "Hey, I really enjoyed your blog post." They love all of that and everything in between. And these people are still technical and engineers. So, is there is there one right way? Is there one thing that says, you know, these are the characteristics that make up a DevRel practitioner? These are, this is the archetype of who you need to be. I think at one point in time, like say 10, 15 years ago, it was our best engineer is the archetype of who we want to be. Whether they're a good speaker or not, our best engineer is the person we want to go out and represent the company, be the face of the company and do these talks. And that has changed tremendously in in the last decade and a half. Well, what's interesting, I feel like the first, the original developer advocate was probably the CTO. Oh yeah. Right? Um, and now that's translated into many different roles, but, um, what those archetypes are, I'm not sure. Maybe here, John, you have some ideas. Well, 
you know, it's so diverse. Um, and that's also, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, this is the reason why I, I worked on this book. I, I wanted to, I'd been meeting um, developer advocates around the world at conferences and so on, and you have beers in the evening and you just talk. And then there's so much wisdom that's, that, that people share um, informally that you never hear about. Um, and except if you go to a DevRel conference, but you know, there's not really within tech conferences normally, there isn't really, and there should be, I think, sessions on DevRel. Um, but so you find out all this information from these people informally over beers, and you think, well, it would be great to gather all of those different um, insights together and, and not to interpret it, not to write a book explaining what it is to be a developer advocate, but to put together a book of actual interviews where you see the actual words of the people authentically spoken, and you can actually read what these these different people say. And this, and and then I, you know, then you kind of find out there's such a range of different people involved. But in terms of archetypes or um, roles, you know, I think I suppose we know about you know this technical writer and editor, and and um, and, and, and even within advocacy directly, there's there's the um, there's a the kind of customer facing advocate and, and and advocates going to conferences, and there's people who are blogging and you're doing the social media, and there's the community managers, and it's it's such a large range of different roles. But another way to look at it as well is to look at it from the point of view of um, some are independent, not working for any company, and some work for companies. And that was one interesting distinction that I found. And so you could say that people who are independent then you know, can be as authentic as they personally um, can be. I mean, this, they're not representing a particular technology. They just, you know, this is what I learned about last week. And just because people find that particular person interesting and inspiring, you know, they'll go to that session or read that blog or, or and so on because of, because of that particular person. And then you have the people working for companies who are, you know, kind of, you know, working for the man as, as it were. <laughs> um, and, but at the same time, in, in these large vendors, if you look at Google, Microsoft, uh, Oracle, and so on, you have so much choice. There are so many different technologies that you could be a developer advocate for. Um, so, you know, it's so diverse. And it's, it's, it's such an interesting uh, um, area to be involved in for that reason. I do think you hit on a really good point, though, that something we all kind of seem to share in common is almost an entrepreneurial spirit because right. there's a certain level of independence that's entrusted upon us needing to travel a lot by ourselves or yeah. you know not always with the same team um whether it's you know for your own company or, or within a company itself often we're defining what the role is we're sort of you know influencing what you know sample apps you're building or tutorials or um and we really take a like leadership role i think in in an ideal in an ideal DevRel role. Um, and I think that that requires a certain amount of adaptability and desire to forge your own yes. path. Flexibility is flexibility and kind of rolling with the punches is definitely, if you don't have that, if you're a very rigid person, this is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. And, and another thing that I found interesting is that from these discussion, discussions I've had, I mean, I assumed that you would have to be some kind of extrovert. And I thought I was very special in that sense because I would self-identify as an introvert. And it turns out that a lot of people in this role do. Yep. Um, and I mean, and that's simply where do you get your energy from? I mean, I, you know, if, if I'm at a conference on a stage, I need to kind of detox or whatever for the next two, three hours after my session and, and kind of decompress. Um, um, so 
there is a real role in, in his, and, and even as a involved in this DevRel role, you don't necessarily need to travel at all. You could be being a pure technical writer or, or blogger um, and, and, and not, uh, not go anywhere. So it, it is so diverse and all personality types fit as well, which is really interesting too. Yeah, and that's really one of my favorite things about this. Um, I think a lot of people think that you have to have certain characteristics. You have to be willing to be on the road for 75% of your time. You have to be willing to start meetup groups and all this stuff. And um, in my experience, that's just not true. There are a million ways to do this job. Um, I, I really don't see any gatekeeping, like gates open, come on in. If you want to do this line of work, like you'll find a way to do it one way or another. And you'll find a company or a series of projects that will allow you to do developer relations type work in a way that works for you. And I think it's because of that diversity. Like there's so many things going on. There's so many different products. There's so many different communities and things that you can get involved in that you're bound to find something that's going to work for you. So I, th I think, I think, so just to add one thing to this, I think the flip side of this, because it's so diverse and so open ended and flexible is that you find um, this whole problem of, you know, what is the value that you add and you know what is your role exactly, and how do we measure success? Um, because what a developer advocate, or what what you're doing in DevRel in one company, can be completely different to another company, even though you have the same title. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely support that statement. The fact that I have clients um, of of very different variety all over the place, and what I do, you know. Some of them, I help them produce their podcasts and their webinars, and some of them, I do their technical writing, and some of them, I put the t-shirt on and I get up on stage. It all depends on you know what what it is that they need, um, and that that kind of lead, it's it's interesting because you know, I, and Amanda mentioned this earlier is like the big stereotype is that putting on the T-shirt and getting up on stage is the part that everyone thinks is the job, um, and so it's kind of a stereotype of you know, the the and this goes to what you were saying too, Giryan about um, about you know everyone's an extrovert. Uh, which is definitely not true. But what are some of the other stereotypes? Like, you know, it, we're all big, loud partiers. We all have very active Instagram accounts. We <laughs> consider ourselves influencers. What are some of the stereotypes that come around that, that might actually turn people off from the job? Uh, which is, again, unfortunate because these are not truisms. Yeah. These are just stereotypes. I, th I think one, and that was really how the book with this, with this interviews was being positioned by the publisher. They said... Um, you know, they were looking for um, for someone to put together a book of interviews around a particular theme. And I said, well, there's an interesting theme of developer advocacy. And the publisher ended up, you know, we had these massive arguments. They said, the book should be titled Spin Doctors. And you should be exploring to what extent developer advocates are really spinning and to what extent they are being honest. And, and to, in my experience, everyone is honest. <laughs> you know, everyone is simply being authentic. And to me, the, 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 the real question is, how can people remain that authentic and that passionate and enthusiastic around a technology for so long? Rather than the question, well, uh, you know, you say this, but you know that there are a thousand bugs and you're hiding them on stage and you're not being honest about um, the, 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 the direction of the company and, and you're constantly lying and you're basically a marketing person. So I think to the outside world, and it took a long time to persuade the publisher to not position the book in that way and where to really uh, work that out together. But one outside perspective on what we do is we are really just marketing people 
um, in, in, the, in, the, in the evilest sense of that word. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's also authentic marketing, of course, et cetera. But you know, we're being dishonest and you, know, you have a different perspective personally and you're hiding facts um, and things like that. Well, it's funny because this is, this is actually a big part of why my philosophy is that I don't get up on stage and talk about a product. That's, mm. ad, that's advertising. And that's I'm a good advertising one. Yeah. I do developer advocacy. I'm there to talk about a technology, a philosophy, concepts, community. Um, I know that last year, Amanda saw me give a very impassioned speech about, it was supposed to be about open source. I tricked them all to make them think it was about open source. It was actually about mentoring and diversity. Um, and how you use your platform to properly bring people up. Uh, but those are the th like, no one after that talk came up to me like, wow, you're a shill for the company that pays. Right, for right, 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 right. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was wearing their shirt the whole time. And, that, and that's it's fine, whatever. But at the same time, like that, that you're right. That's the perception is that you're trying to sell something. And I've always argued that DevRel, Dev Advocacy, it's not about selling something. It's about being passionate about a thing, sharing your knowledge about that thing. And Yes, probably the company you work for does that thing. Because if, if they didn't, they wouldn't pay for you to go talk about the thing. Right. I think there was um, maybe about four or five years ago, or maybe longer now, like, I don't know, my sense of time in this industry is just like <laughs> all warped. But maybe, so maybe it was more like seven or eight years ago, there was a slew of folks that I think um, as we were kind of forging out what um, developer relations looked like there was suddenly, you know, like a bunch of companies that were getting investment that were developer facing products like Twilio, SendGrid, a bunch of, a bunch of, you know, API product companies. Um, and at the time, um, there were a bunch of folks that were identified as developer evangelists that I think fit into this, you know, put on the t-shirt and get out there and, and really like push the product as opposed to pull in feedback as well. Um, and I think the folks who have been around for um, the evolution of that role are perhaps still a little bit, um, I hesitate to use the word traumatized is a little bit strong, <laughs> <laughs> but they remember perhaps some of the not so great executions of that. I do think there were some great developer evangelists, even though I very much dislike that term. Um, but I think there were some folks who were like, you know, pushing the limits to see how much they could get away with that really left uh, kind of a bad taste in some of our mouths. So, I mean, I think it's just, if anything, indicative of the fact that if there is any one trend that we can identify in this diversity of folks is that we are moving collectively more towards advocacy as a, I guess, domain and industry, which is reassuring to folks like me who want to continue to stay in this and be ethically like feeling good about the work that I do every day, right? And that, that kind of brings us to, to our next question too, is, is, is part of it like the community shapes the DevRel practitioner, um, which by the way, DevRel practitioner is like my new thing. It's my 2020 thing. I use the word <laughs> practitioner as often as possible. Um, it's like a drinking but, game. <laughs> but like, it, it, is it that the community shapes it or the concept or the philosophy that you're talking about shapes it or the tool or whatever, or is it the product or the company that you work for kind of shapes the way that you look at community. So to, to put a fine point on it, is it nature versus nurture? Do you, there's something in you that brought you to DevRel? We know that. But how you practice that, um, is that based on the community you want to be a part of or is it the company that you're working for? 
Um, I think it's a bit of both, honestly. Uh, so I think it really goes one way or another. I've worked at companies that were very heavily API focused. Um, Vonage is definitely one of those. Um, prior to that, I was working at GitLab, which was very product focused. So there was definitely an API, but the point was really to get users on the platform using it, giving feedback. So it was for developers, but it wasn't necessarily, I want to help you with this SDK thing using this API. It was very much, I want to help you with this product and incorporate this product into your workflow. Um, whereas Vonage is very much, we're going to give you some building blocks to send text messages and make phone calls. And it's up to you to figure out what you want to do with that. Uh, but we're here to help you do that. Um, and we'll come up with some use cases and things, but really just kind of very different products and very different ways to approach them. I, th I think what, what, I, what I do see is that um, the more someone grows in this role, the more similar they are, irrespective of which company they work for. So someone, someone works in company A and then company B and company C, and you gradually um, get an understanding of what your strengths are within this role. And on the basis of that, you're hired for your next job. And so you kind of solidify in, in, in your strengths. Um, I mean, some people are, you know, uh, very, really enjoy blogging a lot, others enjoy traveling a lot. And so on, on the strengths of, of, of what worked best for you is how you're hired into the next role. And you become more that, um, and um, you, you kind of um, build on um, the strengths that you've built on from the previous role. So, so someone who's been in this role for a long time um, can really can really um, speak from the heart and be purely themselves, because that's what that's why you are in that role. You don't need to um, uh, kowtow to a particular direction or angle or, or, or present things in a different way to how you would naturally do which is really nice, I think. Yeah, I do think there's something to be said about um, building on you know, previous roles as you build your career. I still think, even though I've been in this space for like eight years or so, um, I still think there's an opportunity for folks who are joining now to be in on something that's evolving. And as they invest more and more years into their career, um, even with the job diversity that's out there, they can start with something that they're really good at, build on that, and then like, I feel really blessed and lucky that I've been able to um, kind of create a role or uh, get an opportunity that's very much like works around my best, my strengths and you know what I'm really good at. Um, and so just to reiterate what you're saying like this, this is a great industry for folks who want to kind of um, end up being their most authentic self since it is so flexible and so open to uh, you know, what we're all best at. And and maybe maybe that's a that, that's a good place to end. We kind of started at the idea of, of yes, kind of anyone can pick up a DevRel role. Like you have to you have to want it, but if you want it, then you can take it. And once you once you've taken it, you can find your your niche or your place yes. in in the world. Yeah. Um, on that, we're kind of running low on time, so I wanted to hit everybody's favorite part of the community pulse: the checkouts. <laughs> this is our opportunity to talk about new technologies that we've seen. Uh, cool things out in the world that we enjoy. Uh, it kind of points out that not everything is about your job and that's okay too. Um, so I'll, I'll start it off just to kind of to set the tone. Um, so one of the things that I've been really into is uh, we were talking about Netflix before we started and there was a series on Netflix that I really enjoyed like a year and a half ago. My wife and I loved it. Uh, Lost in Space. It's based on the old 1960s, 1950s. TV show and then later a, a 
Joey Tribbiani movie that came out in the 90s that wasn't so great. Um, but this is like actually really amazing. The actors are fantastic. I don't know who did the casting, but they did a great job. Um, like these people look like they're a family and that they are lost in space. Uh, the one warning I will give you is every episode is super intense. Uh, season two just released. Um, to be like, it's a great show, but my wife and I, we watch it like one episode at a time because it's like, whew, whew, it was very, there's a lot of crying and there was a lot of, is this going to happen? Like, what's going on? Like, it's, it's nonstop awesome. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, it's not just an action show. So it's pretty interesting. Like, there's a lot of thinking and how to problem solving involved. Um, the other checkout that I have is, uh, and SJ being of the North might enjoy this. Uh, I've been a big fan of this band from Southern Ontario since they came out in the early 2000s. Uh, they broke up for like 10 years and they're back together. Uh, just recently on the 4th released a new song called Season of the Flood. Uh, Alexis on Fire is an amazing band and I would like to link to them and check out their new song. It's like seven minutes long, but it's totally awesome. Um, and I think they've kind of been releasing one or two songs every few months. So I think we're looking at a new album sometime in 2020. But uh, check out Season of the Flood. Check out Alexis on Fire. Um, they're available at your local library. Wow. And those are my checkouts. That's a, a throwback for me, Alexis on Fire. Yeah. You're taking yeah. me right back to my Canadian teens <laughs> slash early 20s. Um, yeah, that took me yeah. back to my angsty yeah. days. My angsty days never <laughs> ended. I, I knew you were going to say that. Also <laughs> uh, <laughs> same. Also same. Uh, also same. Um, I also want to say that Matt LeBlanc would not appreciate being referred to as Joey Tribbiani, even though you were talking about him bad movie. In, a in a bad way. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So mine are, even though um, life is not about work, but when you can improve work processes, it can make all of your life better. So I've been starting to use Microsoft OneNote this week which is interesting because I have not used a Microsoft product in a long time. <laughs> um, but this one is, of all of the productivity and like um, to-do lists that I've tried to use, there was something weird. As soon as I opened up this tool, it like spoke to my way of creating, like creating organization in my chaotic brain. Um, I typically have 1 million text edit notes up on my desktop and it's like so messy. Um, and I'll just like write like weird words and then like it'll be untitled three. And I'm like, what was I even talking about there? <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but there's something really, in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like intuitive about opening this up. You have a book, you create pages within the book, and you're sort of forced to be organized from the get-go. And then you can kind of format it within a text editing kind of interface and actually like really easily put in like to-dos, like due dates. Like, I don't know what it is about the way it's been crafted, but it's like they looked into my brain and they're like, how can we help SJ get organized? So thank you, Microsoft. Hopefully this will improve my quality of work life and thus off non-work life quite a bit. Um, I did have one other shout out that I didn't include on the doc, but um, I have been uh, partaking in a little bit of CBD oil of late, um, which is legal, so I can say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't take a lot, but I use this um, product. I, I was totally sold by Instagram advertising. They're like, we can tell she's stressed. Um, it's called Feels, F-E-A-L-S. Um, and it's a subscription CBD oil 
um, company that sends you like the, do they send you like a flight of CBD oil. You try different. Um, yes, it's very, very, very on millennial brand that it's called the flight. No, I'm loving it though. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it too. Um, and so you try different doses and see how you respond best. For me, the mildest dose was the way to go. And so it just like gives me a little, like softens the edges of my days a little bit, ever so slightly. It's really subtle, um, but I'm a big fan for, for anxious folks and strung out folks like me. Give it a try. No, we should totally talk about that later because I'm way into the med tech of what's going on there. Um, we should catch up. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, Love so it. So <laughs> for me, I actually, over the weekend was cleaning up my house cause I was really overdue for like doing an actual proper deep clean. And it's, it's close enough to spring that I'm just, I'm doing it. Um, and I found a book that I really enjoyed earlier in my career called user stories applied by, uh, Mike Cohn. Uh, and it's one of the Kent Beck books. Um, but this has been really helpful for me throughout my career. Um, there was a time when I wore the hat of product manager, um, and this was really helpful for that. But also just as I'm thumbing through it, I'm finding like there's emphasis on doing like customer interviews to figure out that the thing that you're building is actually the thing that the customer wants. Um, and also just has tips and tricks for asking them questions to kind of not guide them towards the answer that you want, but guide them towards the answer that they want, even though they don't really know how to articulate it. Um, so I found that this has been a really helpful book um, early in my career, but also just as as I picked it up and was thumbing through it, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I completely forgot about that. And that's a really good point. Um, so it's kind of, it talks about writing user stories, like that's in the title, but really the focus is on how to actually do some of that product management stuff. So like the first half of the book is really like a product manager primer um, and they walk you through finally to getting to the user story part and how to put all that together. Um, so that's been really helpful for me. Uh, other than that, there's a lot of work stuff going on. Uh, so I really haven't had time for much personal life stuff. Um, we're meeting in Miami next week, which will be really cool. So my plan for the next week is to be on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <That's> tough. terrible. <laughs> See, now you're living the stereotype, Amanda. I am. Um, <laughs> I can't drink right now because I just had surgery on my foot. So I think I'm not tempting fate with the alcohol. But otherwise, yes, it would totally be the stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Kirjan, you have a couple of checkouts for us. Yeah, well, definitely one thing I want to uh, to mention is, I suppose um, the ultimate level of developer advocate is when you become some kind of guru. And there's a couple of real gurus in the developer advocacy world. And one of them is uh, Venkat Subramaniam, who's really well known in the Java, Kotlin, also JavaScript uh, ecosystems. And he's been on Twitter with a whole range of tips relating to reducing stress and frustration and about asking for help. Um, and also a really nice one, just did a tweet the other day saying, resist the urge to provide a solution and instead help illustrate the problem better. Once we understand the problem, we can evaluate if it's worth solving and evaluate options. So anyway, that insight I found really interesting and I find his Twitter handle really worth following. Very cool. And we'll make sure to link that up. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you, Amanda, Gertjan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really fun episode. I think it's a good way to kick off uh, the year. We have an opportunity to, you know, kind of share with people our stories. And maybe if people are listening because they are thinking about coming into the DevRel uh, world, I think we've given them a lot to think about and hopefully a lot to, uh, to make our community of DevRel practitioners a better place. Uh, so for now, 
that's it for the community pulse. Uh, I want to thank my co-host SJ for thank uh, you, PJ. getting up so incredibly early in the morning to, to work. So on this. early. It's so ridiculously early. Um, it's really not, but anyway. <laughs> we paint a picture with our words. <laughs> Only as early as it feels. That's, that's what DevRel <laughs> is. We, we paint a picture with our words. But thank mm -hmm. all of you so much for, for joining the show. It's been awesome. Um, before we go, I've kind of like added this tradition of having awesome hip hop quotes at the end. So from our friend Jay-Z, please keep in mind, if the beat is time, flow is what we do with that time, how we live through it. The beat is everywhere but every life has to find its own flow. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you next day, next time on the Community Pulse. You've been listening to the Community Pulse. Find out more at communitypulse.io, on Twitter at community underscore pulse, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts.